18 years or so ago, my mom gave me her truck. Um, and I drove it, and I loved driving that truck. We got rid of it when we started having kids because it wasn't big enough. But when she gave it to us, we lived in a house, and we had a carport. The carport had two spots in it, and one was shorter than the other, and our two cars were a, were a Nissan Altima in the truck. And so uh, we had to do some moving around occasionally if we were going to go somewhere. We had to move those vehicles. And one day, um, we went to move those vehicles. I put Carrie in the Nissan, and I got in the truck. And uh, I told Carrie to back out. <laughs> She's already laughing. <clears throat> I told Carrie to back out, and then I would back out, and she'd pull into my spot. Um, and so she got in her car, started up. I started the truck up. I put it in reverse, and, and I looked over my shoulder, and I started going back. And Carrie started going back. And I looked up at the rearview mirror real fast, and Carrie didn't go back. Carrie went back and across. And so I quickly went to miss her, not thinking, and hit the side of the carport with the truck because I had lost focus of where I was supposed to be looking because I panicked not seeing where I needed to be. So I'll take full blame for that at this point. That day I didn't. Um, <laughs> but as I thought about this week's sermon in our series, Be the Church, that story came to me about losing our focus because we're in a very familiar passage. We've actually had a sermon maybe twice on this passage in the past two and a half years. It's there in the book of Philippians. Um, in the third chapter, and Paul says there, starting in verse 12, not that I have already reached the goal or I've already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature should think this way, and if you think differently about anything, God will reveal it this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained Join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory this morning. Father, use me as a vessel with the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you for loving us. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake. And all God's people say. Amen. Now, as I prayed over and thought about this series and asking what it was the church needs to be, this passage stands out to me quite a bit because as you read this passage, it, it, it says a lot of things and it's a very powerful passage. But the thing that I see the church must be, she must be future and present focused. He says, forgetting what's behind and straining what's ahead. You know, so often. We don't do that. Now, Paul, when he talks about forgetting what's behind, he's talking about the failures in life. He's talking about the things that have, that have come upon him that are, that are horrible things. He's not really here speaking of not remembering the good things because we want to remember the good things. We want to pull from the good things. But what he does say is he strains toward the future. He strains towards what's ahead. Paul could have been stuck 
on the road to Damascus. I imagine that day shook Paul up pretty well, right? I mean, he's walking down the road. He knows what he's going to do. He is determined in his heart that he is to go and persecute those people who follow Jesus because they are not doing what the Holy Scriptures would tell them to do. And so he's going to do this. And, and, and Jesus shows up on the road to Damascus and, and blinds Paul. Paul could have chosen just to be, for the rest of his life, a victim. He could have chosen to stay back there on that road and think, well, you know, this road really ruined my life. I had everything over me. I had power. I was respected in the community. Everybody knew me. I was going somewhere. He could have chosen to stay there. Because sometimes that encounter with God shocks us, right? When God comes to us and we have this encounter, it shocks us. And maybe we find ourselves just kind of going, what am I supposed to do now? There is this ongoing theme throughout Scripture, an overall theme of moving forward. In Hebrews chapter 11, <coughs> we're told, By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. They were all looking forward. Joseph was there. He had more power than he knew what to do with but he was already in that time looking to what was to come. Y'all are going to leave here. Y'all are going to go back to where you're supposed to be. And when you go, take my bones with you. He was looking where he needed to go. In Romans chapter 13, it says, And do this, understanding the present time, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Peter says in 2 Peter, So then, dear friends, since you were looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. We have to be focused on the present and the future. So often we find ourselves focused on the past and in several different ways. One of those ways we find ourselves focused on the past is we focus on, on the good old days. I do that a lot. I'm, Carrie tells me I'm getting old. <laughs> Because I look back and I think about those things how they used to be. And, and at, when your parents are gone, you think about that even more, how things used to be. You think back to those times. You think back to, to those memories. And, and it's so easy to get caught up back there that, that we're not focused here. But we also get caught up in the past on the things that we did in the times that we failed. How many of us have ever been victim of one sin that we committed that we stay stuck in. And we stay, we look back on it and we just think, man, I don't know that I can ever get past that. God can't really forgive me for that. There's no way He can forgive me. I've just been so bad. There's no way God can love me like that. And even though God is sitting there saying, I love you. And He's saying, I don't even remember what you're talking about. Your sins are gone as far as the east is from the west. I don't know. Where are we hold on to that? And we get stuck there. And I remember when. I love the music of Carmen. Uh, I was saddened when he passed, but I rejoice because I know where he's at. But, you know, he, he has that one song where he's talking, where the, the devil is, is, is talking to his minion, and he said, well, remind them of their past. And the minion says, well, you know what will happen when you do that, don't you? And he said, what? He said, they'll just remind you of your future. The devil keeps us down by reminding us of our failures in the past. He keeps us down by remembering all those things. Well, remember when you did that? 
And so we find someone who's struggling with the sin that we have struggled with, where we have failed, and we don't ever go to them and say, can I help you walk through this? Because we're afraid, who am I? Who am I to tell them about that? I failed it. But we don't have to be perfect to help someone walk through something. We don't have to be tied down by where we were in our past. We have to be present and future focused. And the reason for that, there are several. First, you cannot move forward while looking toward the past. You can't do it. We need to cherish the past and we need to learn from the past. But we can't stay in the past. We can't stay back there. The problem with staying in the past <clears throat> is we, we never have any forward motion. We can't change the past. We would all love to. There are all things we would love to go back and do just a little bit differently. Because if I did that just a little bit differently, things would be, things would be different. It would change. I can think about things in my life that I would love to go back and change. I would love to go back and not buy our God's journey. <laughs> I would love to go back to June 28, 1997. And when my dad came to the living room and said, do you want to go on the paper route with me? I would have loved to have gone back and said, yeah, dad, I'm not too tired. I want to go. I mean, that's the night he fell asleep on the way and had his right. There are things I would love to be able to go back and, and change, but we can't change the past. We can't change things that have already happened. And we can look back and we can look at things that happened in our church lives. We can look back at things that happened and the failures and, and things that make people upset. And we can hold on to those. And when we do that, we find ourselves stuck. And we don't have any forward motion. When we try to get back to where we used to be, it's going to cause us to go nowhere. You ever swam in a running river? The week I received the, the email from the pulpit committee here, we were actually on vacation at Dinosaur Valley in, in Glen Rose. And we, Sean uh, <laughs> was how old at that point? Five or six. And we, were, we went to the safe swimming hole. We were told it was a safe swimming hole. <laughs> There was this current that was pretty brisk. And <laughs> Shallow had his life jacket on, but there he went. I mean, and I was wearing tennis shoes. You can't swim in tennis shoes. And so here I am, holding on back, saying, Carrie, take my shoes off so I can catch the kid. And then I caught him and had to swim back. You ever swam against a current in a river? You end up getting nowhere. You don't get any place. You may go a little bit, and then you get tired. And what happens? The current takes you back to where you started. The same thing happens when we're always trying to go back to what we used to be. In our personal lives, in our church lives, in our family lives, whatever it is. When we're always trying to go back to where we used to be, we may make a little bit of headway, but we're always going to go back. We're always going to end up right where we started. Because we can never get back there. The people aren't the same. I can never get back what my life was like in March of 1995. I can never get that back. I was just about to graduate high school. My parents' marriage was still good as far as I was concerned. Things were perfect. All of those things were wonderful. I can't go back and get that. And the more I try to attain that, the less I make progress here. 
We have to learn to, to cherish the past and learn from the past and take the lessons that we gained from back there and apply it here and move backward. It's the difference between driving in a headwind or driving with a tailwind. Who all went to Gordon yesterday for games? <laughs> My goodness! I'm in that van and I'm holding on to it and every time we pass a truck, a truck would blow me off the road. But on the way home, woof! And it just went. There's a difference. And when you're trying to always live back in the past, it's like driving into that headwind. It's rough. And you hold on. Jesus says we're to be doing things as we go. As you go, make disciples. As you go. He didn't say as you stay. As you go. It is as you look back. We cannot move forward while looking in the past, but we also cannot influence the present living in the past. We are called to be the church to a dying world. We cannot do that if we cannot see that world. <laughs> the worst thing a church can do is become totally irrelevant to the culture around we watched uh, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves last night. Remember that movie, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves? It's at the very beginning, and Dad's on the phone, his stupid vengeful phone, and he's talking to the guy, and he gets off the phone, and he says to his son, Man, isn't that amazing? Your dad's invention is going to be in the Smithsonian beside the gramophone. The kid's like eight. He said, What's a gramophone? Oh, that's an early record player. What's a record player? This is an early CD player. And in our time now, we can go even further. What's a, what's a CD player? Well, that was an early MP3 player. Dad was irrelevant at that point. And then part of the part of the moral of the movie was not to lose that relevance with your children because dad was uber smart. He wanted to, to do all the nerd things, and the boy wanted to be part of sports. And so there was some of this not being irrelevant. We cannot lose sight of what our goal is. And our goal is to, to reach the new generation. We can't reach that goal if we're not present and future focused. We can't become irrelevant to a generation that desperately needs the voice of truth. We cannot become irrelevant to them. Because there are lots of voices out there crying out. There are lots of voices telling them that we know the truth. And if we, aren't the, if we aren't the loudest, if we aren't the ones who are showing them, hey, we love you and we want to show you this truth and we want to show you this truth in a way that you understand, if we're not that, they're going to listen to the other voices. They're going to listen to the voices that tell them that it doesn't matter how you live your life as long as you don't hurt anybody else. They're going to listen to the voices that tell them, well, <clears throat> what is cheating really? I mean, you'd be surprised at how many kids don't know what cheating on a test is. They just don't get it. Because the world looks at truth as a relative thing. It's very relative. Well, is it really cheating if, if I just happen to see what he wrote on his test? Yes. It's cheating. Is it really cheating if I, if I don't pay for that song whenever I download it from the internet? Yes, it's called theft. Unless they've said you can download this for free, it's stealing. What should I want? Yeah, go ahead. This guy put a, a Nintendo game for free on there. So it's taking 
It can be. Yep. If you don't pay for something that's not especially given to you, it's stealing. But the world muddies those waters. The world will tell our children and our youth and our children's children all sorts of things. We cannot be a voice that becomes irrelevant. Something else is you can't see greater blessings that God may have for you. If you're constantly wanting the older blessing. <laughs> you know, there are jobs that we do that with, right? There are jobs that, that we get comfortable in that, and we have an opportunity to show up and we go, oh, well, I don't know if I want to take that chance or not, because that chance might not be the chance that I want to take. We don't ever say God's going to hit the chance. We say, we say, I don't want to take that chance. We deal with possessions. But the Bible is littered with these things too. You know, Abraham had to give up Ishmael in order to get Isaac. There's a point, and we read here a couple weeks ago in our Bible readings, where God comes to Abraham again and says, I'm going to give you a son. He was like, would you just consider Ishmael? I'm 99 years old. I don't want to chase after a toddler. Could you just consider Ishmael? And God says, no. I'll take care of Ishmael, but the real blessing is going to come from somewhere else. And Abraham had to give that up in order to get Isaac. The widow at Zarephath, remember her and Elijah? And she's come there to get a little bit of water to cook her last bit of food so that she could go home and feed her son and then they could die together. And Elijah comes and says, go cook me a cake first. <laughs> She had to give up her last bit of food in order for God to give the provision of abundant supply that would last throughout the drought and the famine. Israel had to give up Benjamin. Remember the story of Joseph in Israel. And Joseph is off in Egypt. And his brothers come. And he, he tells them to go back and get your youngest brother. And he's already, one, one brother already stayed behind. And, and he gets home and daddy says, Ain't no way! Ain't no way you're taking Benjamin! I've already lost Joseph. Because remember, Joseph and Benjamin are the only two children of his beloved wife. I've already lost Joseph. You want to take Benjamin from me too? Plus, you already got your other brother back there. I'm not going to lose a, I'm not going to lose a third child. I'm not going to do this. And their supplies ran out. And finally, he said, okay. And he had to give up Benjamin and Benjamin's safety in order to get back Joseph. In order to get back the family, the greater blessing was there. We talked about the pearl story before, right? The little girl who had that string of fake pearls, who desperately loved that string of fake pearls. They were her greatest treasure in the world. And every night, Daddy would ask her, can I have your pearls? And she would say, Daddy, I love you, but these are my pearls. And she wouldn't give them. And every night, baby, do you love me? Daddy, I love you. Can I have your pearls? I can't give you my pearls. And finally one night she gives in and she says, okay, daddy. And daddy walked, reaches in his back pocket and pulls out genuine pearls and hands them to his baby girl. She couldn't get the greater blessing because she was hoping on a lesser blessing. She had to let go. The Jews missed Jesus. We look back now and we read the scriptures and we go, how in the world did they miss this? They missed him. They were holding on to the Old Testament. They were holding on to the law. They were holding on to their nuances and their explanations. They were holding on to all this stuff. And they missed Jesus. 
But sometimes it's about watching and waiting for what God's going to do. There's a young boy who <coughs> went to a local store with his mom. The shop owner was, was a kindly man. He passed him a large jar of suckers and he said, help yourself to a handful. <laughs> well, uncharacteristically, this little boy held back and got kind of shy. So the shop owner pulled out a handful for him. When we got outside, the boy's mother asked him, he said, why did you suddenly get so shy? Why wouldn't you take a handful of suckers and they offered to you? And the boy said, because his hand is bigger than mine. <laughs> Let that sink in for a minute. God's hand is bigger than mine. I can hold on to a blessing that I have, but if God's saying let go of that blessing because I've got something more, his hand is bigger than mine. The blessing that I'm going to get is so much greater than the one that I'm holding on to. Because that's the way that God works. To be the church, we have to have the proper focus. We've got to focus on the present reality that we have and the future possibility. Because God has something great in store for churches that want to reach the culture for Him. He doesn't bring us out of the wilderness to let us die. We can't be Israel. We can't be out there going, but God, I don't understand. Okay. Must have everybody's toes in here this morning. Okay. How many of us this morning said, well, we're going to be low? Every one of us said that. But what if God wanted us to be low? God has every one of us in this room for a reason. Maybe everybody else didn't need to hear this. Maybe we need to hear this. Maybe it needs to start with us. The problem is we focus on what we think we know. But God didn't take Israel out of Egypt and say, I'm just going to leave you here to die. He said, I'm going to take you and I'm going to give you the promised land. A land flowing with milk and honey and you're going to prosper and you're going to bless everybody around you. That's what God promised. That's what He said. And so we have to learn to have the focus that says that God says what God says and God's future is bright. We don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Ever since COVID, every time I meet somebody or somebody sees me, how's the church doing since COVID? <laughs> well, God's still God and He's still on His throne. And people are there, and it's not the same people every week, but people are there, and that's what matters. None of the rest of it matters. I was even asked this week, well, how are your numbers? And I always said, that's a trick question. How many people go to your church? Which Sunday? <laughs> because it's never the same crowd. Do you know how hard it is to preach series of sermons? Because unless you're going home and listening to the ones that you're not here when you're not here, you're missing a whole lot. Because I never know who's going to be here. Because we attend in different patterns. But God has us here. And God has a plan. And God wants us to move forward and share the gospel with those around us and pour into people's lives. It's one of the reasons why we're looking for a director for this Kids Hope thing. Because there are kids in our community who need somebody to love on them. You don't have to talk about Jesus with them. Actually, you can't talk about 
about Jesus with them. But you're just going to love them. And you're going to pour yourself into them and say, you know what? I'm here for you. I love you. If you need anything, just let me know. And you know, and you can help. You know how much help that will be to teachers who have problem children, who now have somebody who love them and pour into them? And those children maybe aren't acting the way they used to act. We have to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that might mean letting go of things that we don't want to let go of sometimes. That's hard. <laughs> I think back to, to mine and Carrie's journey. We had to get to the point where we gave up on having kids to be in the place where God wanted us to be to have kids. And now I'm hoping it's at an end. When we, we, we tried to fix that. God may have other plans. I mean, you know. That's the way that works. We're called to look at the look at the present reality. Look at the people around us. Who are we trying to reach? Who is it that we need to grab a hold of? Who is it that needs to know about Jesus? And how do we get that message to? It's not sitting in this view. <laughs> We don't live in a society where people are going to come to us. We live in a society where we have to go to them. How are we going to go to them? That's the question I have for you this morning. I was just going to ask, what's your focus? That's not my question. My question now is, how are we going to go to them? How are you in your personal life going to go to those people who are not in a church on Sunday morning and who are, who are dying in their sin? Here's the deal. I don't want us to go out and try to invite all of our people that we know go to church somewhere else. There are people in this town who don't go to church anywhere. There are people in this town who don't know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus... That doesn't mean, oh, that's just too bad, so sad. That means you go to hell. If that doesn't light a fire under us, nothing will. Maybe this morning, you've been holding on. It's easy to do. Because what you know is always more comfortable than what you don't know. Maybe this morning. You've been struggling with something that you just can't let go of. Maybe there is a sin that has entangled your life and you just don't know how to get rid of it. Come to the altar. Talk with Jesus. He wants to give you freedom. 
Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to serve the missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. But maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never taken that step. Now's the time to, to get to know him. You just walk down to the Troy. I want to know Jesus. So we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. It's great. Father God, we come to you right now. We thank you and we praise you for your blessings.